where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today, I'm sitting down with Thomas Pawakowski, past chair of Publicis Communications and ex-CEO of Publicis Group based in Poland, but now he's starting the second chapter or the chapter two of his career, which is really exciting. Welcome, Tom. Welcome. Welcome, Darren. Thank you for having me here. It might be an interesting discussion, I guess. Well, I think so, because you and I have uh, two things in common. The first is that we have a sort of science-type background in our training. I think you're trained as a a psychologist, a, a, a clinical psychologist. I'm trained as a medical researcher. Both of us, though, ended up in advertising. And I think we've worked in advertising during probably some of the most interesting times because it was the end of last century and the start of this when, from my perspective, the advertising industry has gone through some phenomenal changes. Would you agree with that synopsis? Well, I, I, I would. I mean, I think, uh, you know, uh, the, the comparison uh, between those two periods, I mean, I, I sometimes feel myself anyway, like someone who is coming from another era and then uh, trying to... Re- re- rebuild myself, you know, uh, post 2000. Uh, the 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 pace of changes uh, was so uh, imminent, was so fast uh, that uh, um, I was always telling to my guys when I was working in 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 a large corporate environment, is that to to keep up with those changes, I am basically reinventing myself every year. And and I think you know I mean this 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 tendency let's say for reinvention uh, has massively grown over the past five years I mean compared to uh, to the nineties you know I started in in late eighties let's say with having my own agency and uh, these were probably uh, that that was probably the climax let's say of advertising I mean the 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 fees were Fat, uh, you know, the commission was 17.65% on any media spend. Clients were pouring money into this. Uh, everybody was excited uh, and to some extent forgiving. Okay. The, the, the business was less cynical. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yet, you know, there were some massive things that happened even at the late 80s. You know, we had the stock market collapse in 87 and then the 90s were riddled with this great fear, you know, the Y2K, which seemed to uh, suck money out of the economy as everyone was rushing to make sure that they were, their computer systems were compliant. Do you remember uh, the yeah, late sure. 90s when... We, we had stories that planes would fall out of the sky, that the milk would go off. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. I remember the agency unplugging everything on that night, you know, just to make sure that nothing, you know, pours out or, or vanishes. But, you know, you know, I mean, I think that um, what is interesting, because you mentioned at the beginning that, that, you know, we, both of us, were to some extent with our life and our, let's say, Career, maybe it's an overstatement, but uh, but you know, a business life. We are describing um, uh, a 
probably the most interesting period of uh, uh, of this industry or to larger extent business industry because you know 60s and 70s and maybe beginning of 80s were relatively calm a lot of things were developing but there is not there was not a huge difference between 60s and 80s uh, early 80s in advertising the the change started really at the beginning of 90s i mean first of all with this uh, terrible, uh, uh, terrible split between uh, uh, ad uh, creative agencies and media agencies. And suddenly, you know, ad creative agencies realized that they are poor uh, and, and overstaffed uh, and underpaid, while media agencies uh, or media houses at that time, that's, that's how they, they were called, uh, realized that they have all those bloody kickbacks, you know, uh, in their pockets and in their bank accounts, and they can basically invest in anything they want, which we were doing actually as let's call uh, call it full service agencies in uh, uh, at that time. So that period, I think, is more or less a, a period of reinvention, not only individual reinvention, but the reinvention of the industry, because the 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 agencies had to find. Um, a new formula for existence. And remember the 90s and, and just close to, to uh, uh, 2000, uh, how many new things agencies invented, right? For instance, by the way, we invented retainer fees uh, and, and, and the way that client will pay us for our presence, not only for our, uh, for our delivery. Do you, Tom, do you think in a way it showed that at the time, you know, we had the rise of the holding companies as well at the end of the uh, 90, uh, end of the 80s into the 90s, you know, WPP, Publicist Group, uh, uh, IPG, Omnicom, they all rose during this time to start buying up agencies. You know, I remember especially... Uh, Martin Sorrell uh, buying Ogilvy and JWT and, and the like. What's, what seemed like a financial perspective, a smart idea, you know, buy up these big agencies that are fat with uh, client fees and media commissions and make the back end streamlined and, and leave the front end to run the business was the sort of thinking at the time, wasn't it? Well, it, 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 it was, but I, I, think, I, I think this was the period of, of, of ad uh, agencies then turning into ad groups of, of, of this, this power race because they were watching clients consolidating and building empires. They, they thought we will also build empires. I mean, I will jump to 2022. I mean, it is really funny because when you look at this, yes, the, the, the groups has, have grown to a certain level, but they are not growing anymore because if you will compare, for instance, someone who, who is the bi biggest competitor today of those big uh, elephants, uh, like Accenture, Accenture is 10 times bigger than the whole advertising industry altogether, almost. Yes. And, and this is very interesting because uh, this was not the case in the past. And, uh, and, and I think that there is a, a, a limit, a ceiling uh, that cannot be uh, um, passed through uh, by those big, uh, uh, big networks. Uh, especially today, when you think about that, you started with, uh, with you know, starting chapter two um, uh, or a next chapter of life, you know? I mean, uh, yes, I, I am no longer with the group. 
um, and and I left um, practically and finally this year. I mean, in in January first. But this is all about um, people uh, who are leaving those big groups, who are thinking that there is no more space for them, and they are no more appreciated as they should be because of the gathered wisdom and experience. And these people are now basically uh, fueling the rise of uh, the indie agencies, which are becoming now more and more important. This is, the, I think this is the phenomenon of, uh, of the world. But funny enough, uh, this has moved in circles. Because when you think about 60s and 70s, even the very famous agencies like uh, Young and Rubicam or Ogilvy or, or, or whichever name you, you will mention, even publicists were to some extent indie agencies. Yeah. Yeah, they were. They were absolutely, you know, they were, they were the up-and-comers. They were the creative uh, drivers, you know. They were the ones that were out there stealing the big clients from the old traditional agencies. Exactly. But the, the business model is quite different, isn't it? The holding company model is quite different. And it was the holding company model in some ways that made the decision to split you know, I was at uh, uh, J. Walter Thompson. It's what is it now, Wonderman Thompson. You know, I was at J. Walter Thompson when they decided that JWT Media would break off to become Mindshare, you know, and, and suddenly the whole media department just walked down the road into a new office with a new livery. And, and the business reason for doing it was that that way they wouldn't be limited in the clients that the creative side of the business had, they could take on all sorts of clients. You know, it was definitely a growth, a growth strategy. But I think, you know, uh, stock market collapses, Y2K, the, the huge financial crisis we had in 2007, is it's globally clients much more uh, cautious about how they spend their money and wanting to really drive bargains. And so that 17.65% that you were talking about in the 80s got watered down and watered down and watered down to the point that, you know, we're lucky if media and creative are getting 5% of the media spend as fees. Well, I mean, that, that, that's, that's, that's one point. I, I think that, that, that uh, so, somewhere, somewhere the whole intention uh, of the, um, of, of the r raise... Uh, uh, of the industry uh, was a bit lost in translation of PLs and and stock exchange markets and 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 the problem uh, I, I see uh, now I mean with, with people leaving the companies uh, uh, sometimes uh, I, and I'm not talking about us uh, you know I mean who are you know the old lions of this uh, of this industry <laughs> I'm, to I'm talking about I'm, I'm talking about 30 plus people who are willing to go because they think that they have gathered enough um, experience and, and knowledge to, uh, to, to be on their own somewhere in this equation of, of advertising slash communication slash marketing. And, and, uh, and one of the biggest problems, because when I, when I look back um, uh, in, in Publicis Group, okay, and, and I'm thinking about what, uh, uh, what um, let's say, happened uh, in this organization. I mean, this used to be, uh, as an organization, uh, 
made in France, in fact, and then uh, later spreading around the world. It was, it had this human touch. It was proud of this, you know. I mean, it was people uh, uh, were closer to each other. Um, uh, they were uh, uh, working together. There was, there were no barriers, you know. There were, there was no this uh, uh, kind of uh, code. Uh, which is today a kind of a bureaucratic business code, which which is uh, used by by all those all those companies today. Um, uh, you 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 cannot sorry for that, but we are uh, both Aussie minded. You know, you can you cannot piss without uh, the agreement of the bureaucratic structures of 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 the of, of the corporate um, uh, company. I mean, uh, we were unable. To hire people, you know, uh, uh, at very low positions, uh, or for for very low positions, uh, without the agreement of the group and the and the decision taking, uh, uh, the process was taking, uh, you know, many weeks, and and people were 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 just uh, flying away, you know. I mean, the candidates and and to, today when I'm thinking about so so the, the in other words the entrepreneurial spirit. Has been lost somewhere, and, and I think this is one of the main reasons why people are leaving now. Big, uh, uh, you know, fat uh, uh, network agencies or, or groups, in fact, uh, is because they they do not feel anymore free to do what they loved, uh, even if this is a, a bit oversimplification. Well, I, I think that absolutely that's part of what's driving it. I think the economy, you know, the financial structures are also driving it because, you know, agencies have traditionally had a pyramid hierarchy or, or structure. You know, you've got uh, senior people, then you've got the mid-level and then you've got the juniors. And and agencies have tried to flatten that structure to as a way of driving efficiency, cost efficiency, so that they can compete with other agencies for clients' budgets. Because, yeah, we have to acknowledge that procurement has had a huge impact on the way agencies tender for business. You know, in the, in the old days before um, uh, retainers, you know, there wasn't a lot of talk about finance because everyone just signed up for the media commission and service fee. There was really, it wasn't negotiated, but now we're down to, well, how many FTEs am I getting and how many hours per month is that? And what's your overhead and profit multiple on that so that, you know, we can start squeezing one agency against another? And what that does is takes away the money that pays for the talent. Well, but it also takes away the magic, you know, from 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 this, obviously, because the agencies are no longer as as it was in the past, concentrating themselves on delivering the best possible work, right, and the best best possible ideas. They are now struggling. the The, the main struggle is obviously agree with uh, with the with the uh, client with marketer. Uh, and going obviously through the magnifying glass of procurement, uh, you know how much money they are going to cash, and this is obviously impacting uh, the way they work. Uh, this is not uh, too characteristic today for uh, so-called indie agencies because they they have more freedom to choose whether they work with this or another client. Uh, whether they will charge this client with this or another amount of money, and they are concentrated really on the end result. So 
Uh, I remember when uh, the other day we had that discussion about, you know, the difference between the outcome, which is usually retainer and everything, and the output um, and, and, and everything which is related with the asset creation, uh, which I think will be the future. I mean, agencies anyway, uh, uh, even the network agencies uh, for, uh, for, for some years already are uh, or were or are still, uh, let's say, uh, com- complaining about the fact that um, the, uh, the, the, the clients are no longer uh, entering into a long-term agreement uh, or long, long-term relationships. They work on a project base. Uh, and that, by the way, is is the uh, these are the waters, let's say, uh, 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 rivers where small indie agencies or mid-sized indie agencies swim because they like it, because this is you know punctual, fast, uh, idea-driven, and that's that's what what every creative person likes. And I, and I, and, I, and uh, yes, and, and I remember a discussion I had with 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 a couple of folks, you know, in this business, um, uh, uh, from different agencies at a high level. You know, what is the future of the of the big agencies and and big networks? And I mean, they will survive somehow because uh, you know you know they they have the, the the critical mass that is needed for survival. You know, if you are fat, you can have a diet and you will not die, right? If you are if you are thin, you may die uh, because you will be starving. They will ne- never be starving. The problem is that all the magic is peeling off, um, and and they are losing the uh, uh, the big advantage of what they what they had before. You know, I mean, look look at I was I, I was um, um, re- re- recently reading about um, which is each of us is, is looking at this. You know, fifteen. Uh, most creative agencies. They are mostly autonomous or independent in the agencies, bar uh, one, which is Ogilvy. So in, f- in top 15 most creative agencies, you don't have network agencies. Uh, and, 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 th- and that's how it, how it, how it, how it looks. And that, that's the best definition of what is happening to, to something which used to be uh, a, a sexy business. Look, I absolutely agree that the the big network agencies will continue because there is enough global clients who like the convenience of having a network agency to actually align to their marketing teams around the world. And that's really where most of their businesses come from. You know, most uh, offices in individual markets will, of those network agencies, will have core global clients that sort of give them enough cash flow to maintain the office. And then their job is to try and pick up local uh, clients, local accounts, to really put the icing on the cake, so to speak. But we've noticed in the last two years that clients, even in those big network uh, clients, you know, those big network advertisers, are starting to understand that these smaller, independent, where the management is actually working in the agency, has so much advantage. And part of it's because of the pandemic. You know, when everyone's suddenly working from home and people were wanting, you know, that sense of connection, the local independent agencies were able to be more responsive, more uh, able to 
give answers quickly. Whereas a lot of clients were saying they'd go to their big network agency and they'd ask something and it would have to go up to your point before the bureaucracy, you know, it would have to go up to the regional level and then the global level and get approved and then handed back yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Clients wanted something that was like, yeah. I want the team that own the agency to be answering the question, but not someone in London or New York or somewhere else. Uh, absolutely. But, but you, you, you know, I mean, look, look at the tech industry. Okay, how it has developed. I'm, I'm talking about you know uh, uh, not only millions. There's a zillions of apps, zillions of solutions. Uh, you, uh, if you are a startupper in tech in industry uh, and you start thinking about something, you think it is so interesting and it is so modern and it is so contemporary and probably you will conquer the world. You then. Uh, next morning you realize that there are 300 other folks who are inventing the same thing. And some of them, they are already scaling what you have just invented the last night. So, yeah. but, but there is one characteristic element of this is that a successful tech company is obviously uh, agile and lean, okay? which, is, which, which are the two parameters of, of, of this industry. And that is exactly, that, that has been adopted and adapted by smaller agencies today. They are agile and lean. This is what you said. You know, I mean, um, the, the, the management uh, is working together with the teams. Uh, the, the decision uh, process is super fast. And clients understand that they get the value, uh, and, and as the world obviously is moving faster, you know, I mean, they, they need uh, sometimes fast reactions. That's why... Um, they are, you know, those indie agencies are like s small little piranhas, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, mm, biting the big uh, uh, fat bodies of those of those big advertisers, and and then uh, growing, you know, and and then biting even a bigger chunks of 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 of, of the mm, uh, of their business. Uh, so the, the the portion of the pie of their advertising spend is is getting bigger and bigger. On, on in the in the indie part or independent part of the of, of the industry but the solution that the big networks are coming up with is not to break it down and become more agile is it it's actually to do things like you know you, you were at publicist group and uh, it was the power of one it's this idea of taking all of these moving parts and integrating them into a seamless one you know, WPP under Martin Sorrell, I'm not sure if they've got a name for it now, but Martin used to call it horizontality, a, a word that I believe has been banned at WPP since he left. Um, you know, we're seeing the same open, uh, I think IPG are calling it uh, open architecture. You know, this idea that we've got all these parts and we can just put them all together to uh, accommodate every client's need. Well, well you, you, you know, I mean, uh, again, open architecture compared to power of one, there, 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 there are two um, probably uh, extreme ends of the same axis. Because, because in, in power of one, I was many times, uh, when, I was, when I was building the region uh, for publicis, uh, I was... Practicing, let's say, power of one. Let's 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 call it like this. Uh, long time before Publicis invented the power of one, 
um, uh, because my my perspective was that we are not we are not really power of one because this is against the logic. We are power of many, which is which is properly put together. Because at the end of the day, you cannot neglect the personality of each of the brand. The, the, the risk in power of one is that suddenly, yes, you are pleasing the client because you are de delivering the best what you have in one, in one package. But the problem is that at the same time, internally, you are jeopardizing the, uh, if, uh, let's see, um, interesting and, and, uh, and sexy and, and appealing cultures of the agencies that have long history in building those culture, cultures. I mean, even if you look at the group, of, at, at Publicis group, but, but any agency uh, group, actually, uh, any network, each agency was working on building uh, um, separate, uh, outstanding, uh, interesting uh, um, culture, personality, mm -hmm. DNA. And suddenly, how, how you can you know, combine it in one place? So that, that's why uh, operations like Publicis uh, Group are today um, uh, dominated by the media agencies again. Yeah. Because they are bigger, because they have, uh, you know, rebates, uh, media rebates, because they have uh, hundreds of other benefits that the other agencies cannot, uh, cannot have. And that's the, that's, I think that is the main problem. Uh, the problem for those for those companies, but also the problems for the people who are within that. That's why the creative people are gradually uh, uh, steering away themselves from those those um, corporate structures and and trying to find the, the, their let's say the, their last lap, like in our case, like we were once joking about this, um, that they will go. Uh, in in an environment which will be more friendly and will uh, that will um, uh, appreciate the amount of the not only the experience but also the the amount of the packed uh, uh, DNAs of of the of the creativity uh, that that these people are are offering to those uh, smaller agencies. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, the only network that seems to be resisting that sort of move towards, you know, integrating is Omnicom. You know, they are still very much focused on, you know, BBDO has a very different culture to TBWA, which has a different culture to uh, DDB. You know, that they're actually managing to maintain a single holding company with multiple uh, agency brands that each have quite different cultures to them. Do you agree? Because I mean, everyone else, Dentsu and everyone else. No, 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 I, 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 I agree. But, 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 but for me, a very interesting approach uh, 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 was taken by, by someone else, by uh, you remember when when David Jones uh, left uh, 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 Havas, right? And he started you and Mr. Jones. And at the at the beginning, it was it was uh, it was a community of the companies that they were buying. They started, I don't remember, with five hundred million dollars or something like that of investment, and and then uh, uh, starting to buy tech ad. Uh, um, agencies uh, and, and and today they, they he renamed it into the brand tech group 
which which is obviously an interesting uh, interesting move. But 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 a, a, a again, trying to show that he can specialize in uh, uh, offering the the answers to 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 the uh, to the future, right? Of uh, for for clients who are now running for 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 technology. What is fascinating, though, is that. I can see this uh, with with another co- completely different layer, uh, and we once were even discussing about that, uh, which is called sustainability, which is now becoming a, a very important aspect of everything what is happening in the world. Because we we know that this planet is uh, so. Can we swear here? Yes, is, is a little bit fucked up, right? So the planet is a little bit fucked up, and 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 um, and a little bit is 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 an understatement. And and because of this, uh, I, I I think that suddenly the biggest driver of 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 companies' transformation uh, uh, is sustainability and everything around that. So so when when I when 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 people like us think also, uh, which is also very characteristic for for people in our let's say age or uh, with the amount of experience let's say that we have, is to think about is to think more responsibly of what we are doing, which at the same time is defining many moves that we are making further on, right? We don't want to now run for money only, right? We think that the money might be somewhere at the end of our journey because we will invent something interesting and we'll build something. But in the meantime, we would like to do some some interesting yet responsible stuff which will not harm anymore the environment around us, and, and, and the environment is obviously a, a very, uh, um, let's say, rich uh, world, word, right? Yeah. Just to, just to go back, uh, David Jones and uh, uh, the change of name, a financial uh, friend of mine that uh, knows David as well said, oh, clearly he's changed the name to get ready for his IPO because... Uh, the existing name, the past name, was no good for a listing on the stock exchange. Of course. Whereas Brandtech is a great name for a listing on the stock exchange. So, you know, just remember you heard it here first. When the IPO comes, uh, you know, get it, make sure you get in on your, uh, your share allotment. But you're right. I mean, one of the big things we've seen over the last 20 years is that while a lot of the, let's call us baby boomers or Gen Xs, have actually come through the uh, the network system, there's a lot of them out there now running these, you know, these new businesses, creating new businesses that have got a focus other than just creating wealth, you know. Um, the rise of the B Corp is, uh, is interesting to see, the number of agencies that we've seen recently that uh, have qualified as B Corps and are actually doing work using creativity and strategic skills to actually help clients that are also wanting to change the world. You know, it, it, it's, a big, it's a big difference when we see, you know, the, um, the cynicism that comes across from, uh, you know, some of the, uh, the holding companies saying that they're going to come down hard on suppliers that don't get to net zero and at the same time continue to do work for fossil fuel companies. Exactly, you know? exactly. I'm, and, 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 and I think, you know, in, uh, the, the, the true transformation is where you are really doing this uh, from, the, uh, from the bottom to the top. Uh, the, 
the, the ESG uh, formula is, as you know, is a reporting formula. And many companies will be just saying, yeah, we are sustainable because we are reporting this uh, in the ESG parameter, which obviously means yeah. nothing. And 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 that, that and that will that will be uh, uh, cynically, let's say, as you said, uh, characteristic for uh, big networks and big big groups we, 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 that will follow that. So, Tom, we started this conversation talking about chapter two. You know that this is the chapter two. What's the vision? for the second chapter of your career and your life? Well, you, you, you know, the, 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 the life of, of people like us, uh, you know, creative people, executives working in this business, uh, you know, account people, you know, media people is a journey. And then, uh, you know, if you do not learn, I mean, I remember uh, when I was uh, talking to one of my uh, bosses, you know, I survived six CEOs in the group. Uh, and one of them, uh, Rick Bendel once told me, ah, Thomas, you are going to retire in publicis. And then I said, no, no I mean, I, I would like to do something else, you know, I mean, uh, well, or something, something differently, not maybe else, but something differently uh, than I'm doing this to, today. And so, so the, the, the good thing about the corporate world is that you are exposed in, in, in advertising or in communications, you are exposed to a lot of ideas that cannot be fulfilled or cannot be realized because of the lag of this organization, of the organization uh, and the bureaucracy and everything which is around that. And because it's heavy and because it, there is a lot of people, uh, clueless people hiding behind their work, right? Um, and they are basically stopping everything just for the sake of, of being there. Now, now but, but the great thing is that there is, it's, it's, it's a learning curve. And you can take out of that a number of things that you think are the most important things in your work and in potential transformation of uh, client's equation, which today is much more uh, visible in terms of, of, of those dark spots where you can still work on. And so, so my idea the, then was, okay, I mean, okay, fuck it, I'm, I'm leaving. Um, and and uh, I, I probably don't want to retire completely. I have the mentoring ability. I have the coaching ability. So I can find still a number of people where I, to whom I can, let's say, transfer some of that experience and knowledge and at the same time uh, uh, give some spark into some of the ideas that, that, that were, you know, uh, put on shelves by me uh, because they were prevented from any uh, uh, realization or implementation because of the uh, character of the corporation. So, so to today, uh, creating something which I'm calling a little ecosystem uh, of chapter two, uh, I, am, I have just concentrated on, on a number of things which are, I think are very important and crucial for, uh, first of all, transforma transformation of brands, for the future, uh, the world as we are going for, for the world to come, because we don't know, in fact, what, what it will be, right? And, and uh, a friend of ours, uh, Richard uh, Tobakowala, is, is calling this new strange. And as much as I sometimes disagree with the things he is saying, I, I agree with this. It's new strange. We, nobody knows 
what will what the world will be later on. Look what is happening. I mean, we are facing a war in Europe. Uh, maybe uh, there is pandemic. We don't know how many pandemics we will have in the future. Uh, the economy is is completely screwed. Um, and and perspective of of consumers or people is different. We started to realize during pandemic uh, period that we can spend less money still being happy, which is very interesting. And and so so the answers to those let's say, challenges are not with big uh, organizations. They are with individuals who can then uh, transfer those answers to small, smaller operations that, that can uh, seamlessly uh, implement that. That's, that's I think, that, that was probably at the origin of my uh, motivation. It's interesting because uh, one of the, the things that uh, has always fascinated me is complexity theory. You know, and, and a lot of people get confused about the difference between things being complicated and being complex because complexity is actually a, a field of science, you know, they're, they're, just as chaos theory is a, a field of science as well. And what I see in the advertising industry is with growing complexity, you know, there's now more choices for marketers to make than ever before. There are, you know, more things that they feel that they should do than ever before. And the solution has been just to build bigger factories, you know, to try and do all these things. And yet the, the, the really smart thing to do in the face of complexity is not just to scale to grow with it, but to actually cut away the non-essential and focus on the core things. You know? And I think that requires agility. That requires the ability to pivot because the reason we build bigger factories is that we have a, a financial investment in factories. We have to keep building and building and biggering and biggering, to use a Dr. Seuss term, biggering and biggering our infrastructure as a way of coping with the challenges that we're facing. When in actual fact, you know, what is it? Survival of the fittest is not the strongest, but the most adaptable. Yeah, and that's really that's really where I see the opportunity for chapter two is creating adaptability to take advantage of the the opportunities that are going to arise out of this growing well, complexity uh, well, the, and the, uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I think I, I, when, when we talk about complexity, I'm also talking about uh, um, when, when, when I talk to clients and explaining them the whole idea and everything, I'm also talking about something, the word I, I, I love actually, which is called interdependence. Because interdependence is the mutual influence of all the elements uh, to do good. To, 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 to trigger and, and uh, support positive change. And, and uh, the, the more those elements are, are connected, that, that's why I was always very fond of uh, power of many uh, versus power of one. Because power of many is still underlining the, uh, the value and, and, and potential uh, impact of smaller elements of, of all the elements of the equation, because each of them has uh, has uh, its own not only personality but but it has its own uh, weight in terms of the 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 the, the, the experience uh, knowledge uh, so solution base 
uh, and then if you if you combine those elements uh, properly, uh, then you will achieve what what you are thinking about in terms of of transforming the environment, uh, the object, uh, the subject, whoever, the client or even consumer in in the way uh, that will be good not only for him but it will be also good for everything that surrounds him. It's um. It's one of the things that uh, keeps us uh, motivated at Trinity P3 is helping clients navigate this uncertainty and and providing them with a view that they don't necessarily uh, come to the conversation with. You know, one of the problems we all suffer is we don't know what we don't know. And we live in a world where the options are becoming greater all the time. So I think anyone that is able to provide clients with a view of, of what is available to them uh, and, and how you can actually leverage that has to be ahead of the rest because it just feels like everyone else keeps doing the same thing over and over again, praying for a different outcome. But, but you, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, 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 it's a perfect, explain, uh, let's say, description of, of what today makes really a difference, the difference, let's say navigation, you know, I mean, guidance. Because uh, in the world which is so uncertain, nobody is uh, sensible, is looking for a solution, for the ultimate solution, because no, everybody knows that the solution will never come, I mean, in, in its final form. Everybody is asking, please help us navigate our business through the stormy waters of, 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 of Horn Peninsula, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's, it's a little bit like this. And and uh, and I think uh, that today everybody, including also uh, people who are surrounding us, who are sometimes called consumers, they are also looking for navigation. If you will ask your peers and your friends and whoever, uh, nobody will expect you to tell uh, them um, that the world will look like that. They are saying, "What should we do to survive all that shit that is surrounding us?" Okay. So that's yeah. that's all about navigation, and not not per se uh, solution creation. Absolutely, uh, Tom. Look, it's been great having this uh, conversation. Uh, we've only it feels like we've just scratched the surface. We, There's so much more we that we could it. talk about. Yes, thank you for having me here. It's always lovely to talk to you. Um, before you go, I, I don't know if you've uh, caught up with this, but uh, cryptocurrencies in the past month have dropped by 25% virtually across the board. I'm just wondering, uh, do you think uh, there'll be a lot of people rushing across to invest in the metaverse as that seems to be the next hot thing? Mm-hmm.